Wednesday morning. Well, yesterday I'm watching the uh, I'm watching the news yesterday, and uh, yeah, I'm one of those old-fashioned people who still gets news from uh, my TV once in a while, <laughs> as opposed to from my phone and a million other sources. And a um, a still comes up a chart up on the uh, TV screen regarding COVID upticks. And it has six neighborhoods in the New York area. Borough Park, Kew Gardens, Midwood, Far Rockaway, Flatbush, and Williamsburg. I don't have to tell this audience that uh, those neighborhoods are all connected to our community. Dr. Stuart Ditchick is with us live via telephone. He has been following the COVID-19 situation very, 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 very closely since uh, February, maybe even earlier. And he has the latest update for us from both his practice in Brooklyn and in general regarding the Jewish community here and in Israel. Dr. Dietrich, Egmar Simatova, happy, healthy, and sweet New Year to you. Egmar Simatova, how are you, Nachum? Baruch Hashem, an emphasis on the healthy. We want everyone to be healthy and everyone to take healthy measures so that the, uh, so that the uh, COVID-19 stays out of our community, actually stays away from every community, quite frankly. But uh, we would like to see everybody adhere to what needs to be done in order to make sure it stays out of our community. Uh, I hate to say it like this, uh, but based on prior conversations with you, you are likely not surprised at the news report from yesterday. No, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm actually very um, uh, quite upset because, as you know and anybody around the area here knows uh, myself and a group of other conscientious physicians here in Brooklyn, in New Jersey, in Long Island. We've been working tirelessly uh, for the last uh, two and a half months to get the schools open safely uh, because we all recognize that the place where kids belong is in school to thrive. They cannot thrive sitting at home. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, the last two weeks have been devastating in terms of outbreak of uh, the caseloads here in the Brooklyn area and Far Rockaway uh, and in parts of New Jersey as well. And unfortunately, it's a very serious uh, turn of events the last two weeks. You know, I'm happy that how do I put this? I'm happy that I'm associated or I'm very familiar with schools and camps that really handled the situation well. Um, mm-hmm. Thank God there are some summer camps that literally had no cases this summer. Thank God there are some schools that are open and have, again, either no cases or are very, very lucky in terms of a very small number of, of controllable situations. Uh, but none of this is by coincidence. The only way, and I know that this may overstate the obvious, but you would say the only way to get results like that is to take all the precautions really seriously, to test like crazy, not un- unnecessarily, but you know, meaning at, at appropriate times and you know, even extra times if necessary, and and to keep a real handle on the situation. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with schools at this point that are doing a pretty good job at this. It's the ones that are not doing a good job that I'm really concerned about. Yeah, there, I mean, we've been, it, it, there are the, the proper protocols, and, and this is really important for people to understand. Testing, we have the availability to test now. We didn't have that availability in the spring uh, to test in large numbers. 
uh, we have the availability now of information that tells us that if we isolate and quarantine appropriately, we can limit the spread of disease. We didn't have that information uh, consistently in the spring as well. And we also have the ability now of people understanding that the science has changed. Uh, so it's a moving target. But the most important aspect to remember, uh, and I uh, had this discussion with a school principal yesterday, is that if you have to quarantine a single classroom in a school, uh, it, it, it's unfortunate for a two-week quarantine for those students, but you may be saving the entire school from being quarantined over the coming two weeks following. Mm. So in other words, we have the knowledge now that you can safely open a school, you can safely quarantine a classroom, and you can probably go forward without any major outbreaks in the school. However, there are going to be exceptions to that rule and unfortunately, the exceptions don't always fit into the logic that we apply to setting up the initial uh, preventive strategies. That's life. You know, we have preventive strategies for diseases all over uh, the map. But unfortunately, not every preventive strategy works. If community spread is very wide and the disease prevalence in the community is very wide, it is showing up in the schools that we've seen in the zip codes uh, here in the Brooklyn area for sure. Uh, and when, you know, when there's widespread disease in the community, the schools tend to be the place where it shows up because children in school, despite best efforts, don't generally social distance very well. We've also been challenged with certain schools here in Brooklyn um, that despite the school efforts to, uh, to create cohort classrooms, uh, there have been things like after-school programs where cohorts now mix together playing hockey or basketball, uh, or carpools where different cohorts mix in a carpool. For instance, a fourth grader is in the same carpool as a second grader. Right. So you now have two classrooms that were exposed to one sick kid or right. one sick driver of a carpool, I mean, I, I, which I, we've I, had already occur. I understand where some people, parents, etc., would think that they're in an almost impossible situation. I get it. Uh, but without the cooperation between parents, families, and schools, you know, the reality is we're going to see these numbers, you know, continue to climb. That that's that's the bottom line. In other words, these are all pain in the, pain pains in the neck. These rules, and and can really be depressing, whether it's quarantine or other things. You know, it can be really depressing having to carry them out, or having to stay at home. You know, when everyone else is in school or school. But but without it, there's it just it seems like there's no option at this point. It just keeps look what's happening in Israel, and we don't know why it's happening in Israel. But we're assuming between the demonstrations and the way people have violated the the um, the um, lockdown and the way people are are lackadaisical in some synagogues, we're assuming that all that contributed to those numbers. Yeah, I think listen, it's a variety of factors that we we cannot fully understand. But what we all understand is the result which is unfortunately a country in complete lockdown at this point, and quite frankly, even more tragically, is seeing a large number of deaths daily now and growing. Uh, and in a country the size of Israel, to experience 30 deaths in a single day, which was the count yesterday, uh, I have to tell you, it is, it, it is absolutely um, devastating uh, to uh, Israel, to Klal Yisrael, and to every country in the world, because Israel did a better job at tracing and tracking and treatment. And every aspect of this crisis, Israel did a better job than most countries in the world. I think we can all agree upon that, even better than the United States, clearly. 
uh, and look at the situation they're in. And that's what I've been telling folks, that when we let our guard down, because Israel had virtually zero cases the month of June or early June, if you remember, uh, and late May. So they released, you know, they reopened schools. They, they did things pretty quickly. And then the protests came into play. And they had a dramatic advancement of disease over this past three months to the point where they're in lockdown again. So I think what we should recognize as a society, and I'm not, I'm not focusing on the Jewish community only now, I'm focusing on the entire United States, is if you want to keep our direction going in the right direction, be smart about it. You know, I'm an advocate for opening every business and every school. But everybody has to cooperate, as you just said, wearing masks and distancing and washing their hands and not trying to beat the system. So, you know, by not by not wearing a mask, you know, people I've heard this argument that it's a violation of their rights to wear to be uh, to be asked to wear a mask. Uh, I think the basic right human right is the right of life. Uh, and when you don't wear a mask, you risk, uh, you know, impinging on somebody's right to life. So I think simple implementation will prevent what we're seeing in Israel. Uh, but as you said, if we don't get cooperation of our communities, it's not going to happen. And we need that cooperation desperately. And, and uh, you know, we're doing a, a, a lot of work, as you are, with educating the public. I mean, uh, that, But we've had a lot of pushback. Th- there are so many shuls. There are so many minyanim. Just in the six neighborhoods I mentioned, God knows how many hundreds and hundreds of minyanim are, there are. And when you hear about a minion that has a mask section and a no mask section, that must infuriate you. Well, it, it's inappropriate because, excuse me, I'm sorry. It's inappropriate because it defies the known science of COVID uh, or any infectious disease, quite frankly. The difference is COVID is highly contagious. Uh when you have one-third of the shul or one-half of the shul wearing masks and one-half not wearing masks, it makes absolutely no scientific sense. Nobody could argue that it does. Uh, the argument I've heard from people is that the people who choose not to wear masks uh, have uh, proof that they're totally immune to COVID. Uh, now, there is no proof of being immune to COVID. We know that there, is, there are reinfections going on. Uh, we also know that the CDC and every other guidance in the United States and throughout the world has said that we cannot use any proof of immunity to break quarantine or to break isolation. Shuls are a place where if we break the rules by not wearing a mask, we run the risk of infecting an entire shul and potentially an entire community. So I, you know, I, I think shuls should continue to function beautifully if people follow the rules they look at the opportunity we've been given in Pesach we had no opportunity to daven with a minion right it was tragic now we're being given the opportunity to daven with minion which we should have and we simply are asking for people to wear masks it's that simple it's not it's not rocket science Dr. Stuart Ditchick is with us I saw the update that you released to the worldwide community yesterday I'm a little confused what this means. What does it mean to shop for a negative test result? So that is a serious issue. I'll tell you, uh, it's very important because it's impacted uh, case incidents yet and uh, right now, and it's impacting it negatively in our communities. Uh, there are basically there are different types of tests. There is the rapid antigen test, which is the, the most popular machine 
And the one that I have in my office and many physicians do is called the Quidel Sophia 2 antigen test, which detects the protein of the virus. Uh, if somebody is symptomatic, generally within five days of symptoms, it's a very highly accurate test. Um, all of the tests that we use uh, have anywhere up to a 20 or 30 percent false negative rate, which means you'll miss a, a person with COVID 20 to 30 percent of the time. That's a very high false negative. Right. If you're positive, uh, it means you have COVID. Now, could there be a false positive? Yes. How rare? Exceedingly rare. It's extremely rare that somebody is truly false positive. So what people are doing is they're getting a positive on a rapid test, and then they're running to the next office and trying to swab negative. And then when they get the negative, they go back and tell the school, hey, I'm okay, my kid can go back to school, they swab negative. In other words, they're being, they're being determined negative by a much more unreliable test. Well, no, it, it could be the same test in the same instance, but the same test could yield a false negative right. when done in, the, in different hands. Right. The way you swab the technique of how it was, uh, there's a million reasons, but the bottom line is that even the PCR, which is the more uh, utilized test in the hospitals, right? That's the lab, that's the test that the hospitals use. Right. Uh, and that's the test we use when we send it to the lab. The PCR test itself has also a fairly high false negative rate. And what I reminded people about was the experience that every doctor had who was in COVID units during the crisis. We had critically ill patients during peak COVID, critically ill patients, uh, that swabbed negative for COVID on PCR four, five, six, seven times before we got a positive. In fact, sometimes we had to do bronchoalveolar lavage deep into the lungs to retreat, uh, to retrieve a positive specimen. So the false negatives that are out in the community are misleading and will lead to further disease. The point is, if somebody tests positive on a rapid antigen test, they should not be running around to shop a negative so they can go then break quarantine. If you read today's uh, Wall Street Journal, there's a very important story about supply shortages hampering COVID testing now. We're seeing shortages of supplies all across the world right now. And when people go and get two, three, four tests to, to, uh, to react to a positive rapid test, they're depleting the supplies for the next critically ill patient, possibly, and delaying the turnaround time for testing. So we as a community should not be shopping false positives. We should not be going around saying, okay, I was positive, but now I want to go find the negative so I can break quarantine and break isolation. It's highly inappropriate. It's leading to shortages of tests both here locally and nationally as well potentially and we don't want to contribute to that we're a good community we're a community that supports each other we shouldn't be looking for a negative simply because we don't want to accept the fact that we have covid uh in israel i think yesterday 11 percent positive rate which is extremely high especially for those of us in new york who are used to you know under one percent at this point uh in your office you said that it was a basically a 30 percent positive rate that must be On, uh, on that one single day, which was uh, Monday, we had uh, 31 tests we ran. I believe nine were positive. That was exceedingly high for our office and for any office. Uh, yesterday, we had uh, approximately, I think, six positives. I don't know how many we ran total uh, yet, but we also sent quite a few to the lab. We're waiting for lab results as well. 
generally, what we're seeing in the zip codes here in Brooklyn and in Far Rockaway are positivity rates of somewhere around 5%. Uh, we believe it's higher because there's been a problem with reporting. Um, there's some confusion in many offices about their obligation to report. Some doctors are not familiar with the reporting system, the electronic reporting system for the city. So we believe that the number of reported positives is actually uh, a fraction right now. There are many more positives out there that haven't yet been reported. The health department's trying to clean that up now. Uh, they sent notices out to all physicians' offices on Erev Yontif, uh saying you have an obligation to report, and here's the mechanism to report. And they basically instructed them on the web, uh, you know, the um, the electronic reporting system. So I think physicians are going to start reporting more in the coming days. Uh, and unfortunately, the positivity rates are certainly, uh, on, on any single day, have exceeded 7%. Uh, you can't look at any one office, one day experience, because it's not accurate or scientific. But you look at the seven-day trend, right. and the seven-day trend of positivity is going up dramatically in all of the zip codes that we've spoken about. There is a bottom line to all this, Dr. Dietrich. Um, everyone's got to improve the way they're trying to adhere to the COVID restrictions. Our synagogues, Yom Kippur and Sukkot, have to you know, take a long, hard look at themselves. Rabbis, presidents, board members, etc., how things are being set up. You are encouraging more and more people to do whatever possible outdoors. I know it's getting a little bit chilly outdoors, although the end of this week it seems it's warming up a bit in this area. Uh, people have to. You know, I was, you know, I, I always look somewhat skeptically at those who are taking extra, extra, extra precautions. But now I see those who were really mockbid where I was, really careful where I was during Rosh Hashanah to go to the nth degree. Uh, to to protect everybody, I see they were right. I see they were right that we, 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 there's no such thing as as too safe. It seems. No, and we've seen even outdoor transmission. Unfortunately, we, um, my minion. You know, I, I I set up a minion along with two other physicians here in uh, my driveway in Brooklyn. We got a very large driveway and backyard, uh, and we set up a beautiful tent for men and women. We hosted. 20 men and 11 women for Rosh Hashanah. We're doing the same for Shabbat Shuvah, Yom Kippur. Uh, and we all wore masks. We don't, we don't allow anybody at the Minion to wear masks. Basically, 90% of the people at the Minion are considered high-risk individuals. We even had a 90-plus-year-old woman come join us who couldn't go to shul, obviously, because of the risk to her. So we require masks in our outdoor Minion. I suggest that even in an outdoor setting, People wear masks unless they're in places like, you know, Muncie or Long Island, where they have a huge amount of distance between each other. Right. Uh, in Brooklyn, we don't have the ability to have 60 feet or 20 feet between each other. Right. We're lucky if we can squeeze out six feet between each person. So we wear masks in our outdoor minion. Uh, many people in our neighborhood adopted the outdoor minion model for Yom Kippur. Not enough, but many are ch- starting to for Rosh Hashanah. And I encourage people to consider davening outdoors as much as possible this year. I think it'll reduce the spread in the community, and I think it'll relieve the shuls to make it less crowded in the shuls for those who choose to daven indoors. Very important. It, it really comes down to uh, adhering to the regulations and being as careful as possible, and as I said, taking a long, hard look at what we're doing in terms of gatherings in this case, now this time of year. It's not really the weddings that are the gatherings. It's the it's shul going. 
that are the gatherings, taking a long, hard look and making sure we're being as safe as possible. And and it, no one's going to beat the system, Dr. D. It sounds like th- there's no beating the system. Either you adhere or, God forbid, it spreads. Simple as that. Well, you know, nothing. one thing I, I've heard from the, even some physicians, which I'm fascinated by, I, I'm hearing the, the political narrative. They use the word narrative. Uh, this doesn't you're fitting the narrative you're looking for a narrative honestly i I, i've dealt with now over well over a hundred covid researchers including myself i'm primary investigator in two studies currently Uh, i deal with folks from all over the country from governmental agencies as well and i have never heard a single political comment on any of our calls or conferences uh, I've never known anybody to make a decision based on politics from the scientists. There is zero political influence in the scientific world. Uh, politics plays a role only, in my view, in this case, to the politicians who use this crisis for their own good on both sides of the aisle, whether they're Republican or Democrat. Uh, people have to trust that physicians are apolitical for the most part. Uh, this is not political. You know, complying with Pikuach uh, nefesh is not a political demand. It's not a political issue. It's it's a halachic issue. And I think we can all g- agree upon that, that we care about each other. We don't want to harm each other. And we're a community that there's no other community in the world that cares for each other the way we do uh, outside of the COVID crisis, right? We, the chesed organizations, the care for our sick, the care for our elderly. There's no other communities in the world that do what we do. It should continue with COVID, and it should continue not only by virtue of chesed, uh, but it should continue by virtue of loving each other, by protecting each other. That's all we're asking for right now. We're not asking for people to do anything outrageous. Just protect each other uh, by protecting yourself. Uh, you know, wear the mask, wash your hands, and make sure you don't break the rules. And, and if you have to quarantine, and if you have to isolate for 10 or 14 days, depending on if you're sick or if you're exposed, please don't break quarantine because uh, it's just highly inappropriate to go make up your own rules to break quarantine to serve your own purpose. It just doesn't it doesn't work that way. Can't thank you enough. A Gamar Simatova. Happy, healthy and sweet new year. And uh, hopefully the next update will be a lot more promising and a lot more positive. I mean, I mean it will be, Malcolm. Thank you so much. Dr. Stuart Ditchick, who has been following the COVID situation closely since February or even earlier and has updated us uh, constantly throughout this entire episode. Unfortunately, as you heard me say earlier, the uh, neighborhoods that have been designated as uh, hot COVID zones in the New York area, all of them, are associated with our community, all of them, the ones at least that were uh, mentioned this week. And um, and their positivity rate is higher, alarmingly higher, frankly, than, than the rest of New York City. And certainly you know what's happening in Israel. Let's be as safe as we can, as cautious as we can, and uh, let's be as smart as we can going forward. I don't know if there's any other alternative.